0: Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats. And before we get into today's interview, I want to tell you about an interview that I just had on another podcast called Los Libertinos, hosted by my homie, Carlos Ablar. I had an absolute blast on Los Libertinos uh, talking to Carlos. Carlos, of course, he and his wife, Vanessa, are the owners of Paloma Verde CBD, which you have heard advertised on this podcast before. But today I want to make sure that you go and check out Carlos's podcast, Los Libertinos. Carlos is a super down to earth guy, and he really asked questions in a, what I might call like an everyman kind of way, uh, almost like an outsider who's peeking into the liberty movement for the first time. He's really curious and really asked me some unique questions that I had never gotten before. Uh, so I really enjoyed that conversation. I want to highly recommend you go check out Los Libertinos. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, you can also find it on every podcatcher everywhere. Just look up Los Libertinos and check out Carlos Avalar. And don't forget, while you're at it, go get some CBD over at PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Use discount code Aurora for 25% off any purchase over $75. Yes, that's right. 25% off. Use discount code ROAR over at PalomaVerdeCBD.com pop some gummies, and listen to Los Libertinos. We need to empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds of the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better we need to
1: be people Here's your host,
0: your guide,
1: your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. and live free.
0: All right, kitty cats with me today he is the lead writer and chief historian over at ammo.com he's actually making his return to the lions of the liberty family he was on uh with john and brian over on a felony friday episode a couple of years ago but today he is here with me on the flagship he is sam jacobs sam are you ready to roar roar now that now that is a roar that's how it's done you should teach. You should teach the class on how to roar in this show, Sam.
1: I'm a Leo. It just comes naturally. <laughs> oh,
0: excellent. Well, so am I. So it all ties in here. What, what's your birthday? We got to see how close we are.
1: Um, August 11th. Oh wow, we're very. I'm August 7th. Okay. Yeah. Same as Hulk Hogan and uh, Joe Rogan. So
0: (laughs) nice. So let's see. uh, Let's see how how much our astrological signs are aligned, uh, because today I brought you here specifically uh, for a little challenge, Sam, because I have been uh, some some out there in the podcast community have referred to me as black pilled, uh, being very negative, being very pessimistic about the current situation. I don't necessarily see myself as black pilled as much as just I have experienced, I think the worst of the COVID thing in the last 18 months, uh, I've lost tremendous income. I've lost tremendous time. I've lost, I've lost a lot. Now I think it's all made me a better person. So I actually wouldn't change anything if I could, but, but I think I've seen, seen it for what it is. And I I feel like I, When I talk about this stuff out there, I've done a lot of podcasts talking about this lately. I'm just, I'm not trying to black pill. I'm just trying to, to realistic pill. I'm just trying to explain, I'm trying to point out the tiger in the room. So I think because I've been doing that a lot, some people have seen me as sort of black pilled. And, uh, you know, you were recently on Pete's show on Free Man Beyond the Wall, and you were very white pilled. You actually, I think you actually said something to the effect of, I don't see how anybody couldn't be white pilled right now. So that's the challenge today, Sam. Your challenge is to white pill me but first I just want to get a little more background about like kind of just what you went through because I think last time when you were on with Brian and John um, it was right before this COVID stuff actually maybe a month or two. Yeah. So I kind of want to just learn a little bit more about what you personally went through. Uh, I know you're in Arizona now. I'm not sure if you were there during this whole time. but Just how has how has COVID affected your life personally and we can see how that kind of compares to how it affected mine.
1: So I travel full time and that's what I did during COVID and I was you know bumming around the country going to different places, but mostly out West where, you know, the out West, I mean, there's just a different kind of mindset about uh, personal freedom out in the American West and people just don't really like being told what to do. So my experience through COVID was primarily forgetting that it was even going on because if you're not in a city and you're not in, you know, the Northeast primarily, or like the West Coast. It's very easy to forget that COVID is even kind of going on. And even at the height of masking, you know, it's like even then I would kind of forget about it until I would get somewhere and see other people in uh, masks. But I never had to kind of change really much about what I was doing with my day-to-day life after the first couple of months the first month or two when like everything was shut down um i missed going to the gym but that was really about it um i got covid it was you know I'm here to tell the tale no uh no long covid or any nonsense like that i just got you know pretty run down and tired for 2 weeks and then um you know got up and got back to it uh, so that uh, was how you much- got it were
0: there was it, did you get it pretty early on or did you take any of the treatments that that have been more common lately whether it's like ivermectin or uh anticlonal mon- monobodies or anything i think i reversed those monoclonal antibodies
1: so i got covid in i want to say april and um i didn't my like home treatment was zinc and nicotine um, because <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> nicotine supposedly is a prophylactic. Like, like, like a patch or something? I assume you weren't I smoking vape, during. Like constantly. Really? So this was not a hard thing for me to do, but I did read that nicotine acted as a prophylactic for the virus and helped to preserve the integrity of your cells. I, this is not medical advice. I don't of know course, any, no. I, we anything. should say that right
0: now. Nothing on this show is ever, is ever advice. <laughs> yeah. Totally so not anything. I just tell people you.
1: talking about shit. That's all. Right. So uh, that's what I heard. And I vape like a lot anyway. So that, you know, I just laid in bed and slept and watched, you know, Chud and. Weird old <laughs> '80s horror movies, and have you seen um, B-
0: uh, to Chud Two? Bud the Chud. That's the question.
1: I have not seen Bud, the, Bud the Chud. Um, <laughs> I I always forget that Chud Two exists. Like I loved uh, video the video store in the '80s and '90s, and so you know, there's all these movies that I like have never seen but know about and. And and Chud two is one of them.
0: In college, a couple of friends of mine, uh, a couple of friends of mine, and I uh, went through like try to do the worst movie challenge, and I think it was like an IMDb's list of the worst hundred movies or something like that. And I think Bud the Chud was like number two or three.
1: I'm gonna give it to uh, Manos, The Hands of Fate.
0: I think that's number one. That's number one. It is the
1: it is bar none the worst movie like if you if you have if you've never seen it and you think that p- like plan 9 is the worst movie ever made uh, plan 9
0: is is uh, is, <laughs> is the remnant or something compared to that
1: yeah plan 9 is 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 like apocalypse now when you put it next to uh manos the hands of fate which is just like you wonder I, when i say a bad movie i want to see a movie that you see at the end of it you're confused as to the how and why
0: you're just asking why did this even happen who yeah. paid money to create this
1: how'd this get here how this how did this bizarre artifact from like the vhs days or the drive-in days like what were the the the, the various steps on the chain that brought that to my uh youtube account you know
0: um, but yeah, I'm not sure where, where, where we got, we got sidetracked with, with Bud of the Chud and, and bad movie talk. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you were just basically going into how, um, you know, how, how it sounds to me like besides having COVID, of course, um, things didn't affect you nearly as much as they affected, a lot of people, including myself, uh, like it doesn't sound like you were even other than maybe missing the gym for a month or two. You weren't even really affected by by lockdowns too much. Were you still live? Were you living in Arizona? Most of that time when you weren't traveling,
1: I was I travel full time, so I'm always traveling somewhere, okay. but I mostly stick around Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Montana, Idaho, gotcha. um, places like that. And honestly, it's mostly for the weather, but like the the political climate definitely is a uh, welcome, you know, change from where I grew up and where I've lived in the past in big cities and in the Northeast and everything. So I didn't really notice it. And I would argue that a big part of why I didn't really notice it was just not complying with it and kind of putting it out of my mind because like you know you go to a grocery none of the big boxes ever turned me away it was always little stores that turned me that would turn me away little mom and pops would turn me away for not wearing a mask but i didn't you know i would wear a mask like if i really really needed something and i had you know because i get my mail via general delivery right and so like the post office. I'm not going to get into some headbutting contest with some bureaucrat who stands around all day waiting for a headbutting contest to like lord over somebody. I'm just going to put a mask on for 5 minutes. Um and you know be really mad about it, but um but yeah, I mean for the most part I didn't um I didn't really comply with any of that and when I got covid um I never was like there was one day where I was kind of like do I is my breath short like do I need to worry about this taking a turn for the worse cuz there's this whole thing about days 9 and 10 and you can really take a turn for the worse and around there I was kind of like more mindfully monitoring my health than anything than I would have been on on other days um but you know it wasn't like uh at any point I was ever looking to go to the hospital i i qualified for uh regeneron treatment but the the phone call to the hospital and talking to the right you know medical bureaucrat to get it done took i i hung up after 15 minutes cuz i was like i don't even feel bad enough to like leave you know my trailer so um yeah i mean this is the thing is like i just you know i just haven't really notice it. I mean, I also don't like the, the elephant in the room on that is that I don't have what you would consider like a regular job. You know, I work for ammo.com full time and I work remotely. And, you know, even if I didn't, they wouldn't be, uh, enforcing masks or, uh, vaccine. I would not imagine
0: ammo.com. is going to tell you to, to vax up or mask up or anything like that.
1: No. So, I mean, that's, that's, I, I, I really feel for people who had, who didn't have much choice in the, um, in the question of compliance and non-compliance, the mask mandates because of their jobs. Um, You know, I'm not going to from the sidelines, Hector, anybody who had to, um, who had to, you know, pretend that this charade was real for the sake of their um, employment. But I'm fortunate enough that I didn't have, didn't really have to. And so, you know, you say
0: fortunate, but you know, I think that you're a really good example of why it's really smart and really important to put yourself in the situation. And I'm sure you put yourself there through work and effort more so than necessarily luck. I'm sure luck's always a factor too. Yeah. But the point being, you know, you made you took whatever actions you took in your life to get you in the situation where you can work remotely, where you can travel, where you were sort of insulated from this because of actions you had taken previously. So, and that's a lot of what I've been talking about too, you know, just that like people like you are a great example of why you want to be in that situation because you know what the fact that you weren't beholden to some major corporation or, or stuck to some job in some blue city or some city period is why this is, didn't affect you.
1: Yeah. I mean, and like in fairness, I, I'm not terribly housebroken. So like regular jobs and I have never really been a very good fit. I've never had a real job. Um, you know, longer than six months. My And I've worked for ammo.com longer than I've worked for any um, company that I've ever worked for. I counted once. I had something like 29 jobs. Um, but yeah, I definitely encourage people, you know, with sensitivity to everyone's individual situation, et cetera. But I definitely encourage people to look for ways to make themselves um, financially independent and financially... Secure And what that kind of looks like, I think is just something people have to kind of figure out on their, on their own. I mean, I'm certainly not, you know, rolling around in the, in the, in the lap of luxury or anything like that, but that's part of kind of the chain of decisions that's led me to where I am as I just have decided that um, my individual Liberty on a kind of day-to-day basis is more important to me than, you know, money or a, some fancy, what, whatever. Um, so
0: everything, everything in life is trade offs, and sometimes. Yes. You know, we might think of just in strictly monetary terms, but sometimes having more liberty, like I certainly have more liberty, I think right now than I did a couple months ago when I was in a very different financial situation, sometimes having more liberty can actually mean having less money, at least maybe temporarily, you know, just to actually in the, in that crossing that bridge to get you from one place to another. And that's, I think that's what holds people back a lot of times because that, and and I'm including myself, I'm always talking about the man in the mirror when I talk about this stuff, because it helped me back for a long time as well, is that security and that safety of yes, maybe I'm kind of constrained by this but look it just this money just shows up every two weeks oh my god it's amazing
1: yeah i mean i'm like just don't i don't perform well under those kinds of conditions anyway so it's kind of like a happy happy coincidence that i'm like a bit prickly and uh (laughs) but i've always you know ever since i can remember been like you know before there was even like a term for remote work was always just like, man, I hate the idea of having to go to work when I can do work from from home, but I mean the stuff that you're talking about is like um, I do think that people need to kind of make those sorts of decisions. I mean, in other cases, it could just mean you know you could keep your job and just commute longer and say well i've I've accepted that I can get you know whatever." At work, and but my commute's now an hour and fifteen, or an hour and a half, or whatever. And I so I get to live off grid and way outside of a big city or something like that. I mean, there's definitely like that's when you talk about trade offs. That's really it. But to kind of tie back to this white pill thing, you know, I feel like there's more opportunities for this than kind of ever before. I mean, it's easier, I think, from an entrepreneurial perspective to um, introduce uh, new Free market solutions, or even just you know, selling products, selling tchotchkes, or whatever, if that's kind of your thing. I mean, I know that's kind of like everybody thinks, Well, I can get a podcast and sell tchotchkes or something. I mean, I don't really think that that's I, I, like, as
0: someone who has had a podcast for eight years. I would not recommend this as purely a business plan, it can be a part <laughs> of a business, it can, but if you're just podcasting for money, you're going to be very sorely disappointed very quickly,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean don't don't quit your job to sell mugs,, um, but you know, look at look at ways that you can kind of um, look at your own financial situation and maybe pair back in some places and make some sacrifices other places and change some things around so that you're a little more insulated from the vagaries of this. I mean, I would think that the quick and easy kind of win for everybody is just if you're in a blue state. I don't know why you're still there. I mean, people have family situations, whatever else, but um I, I I just think it's kind of madness to stay in deep blue states like California or New York. I mean, I get why people do it, but um I just don't like you know, we get back to this kind of like white pilling thing. You know, part of the part of the white pilling aspect is um w- Recognizing where these battles against uh, tyranny are going to be unsuccessful or ineffective. I mean, there's a situation in Oklahoma with the uh, National Guard right now and the vaccination mandate, and the latest unconfirmed news that I heard was that they would be decertified as the official National Guard and... Converted into the state militia of Oklahoma. Now I don't know about <laughs> they're you. They're saying that
0: like it's a punishment, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that,
1: that, that, but that sounds perfect. Sounds great to me. And this is what I mean about you know they can say they're gonna do any kind of thing, but where's where's their track record of success right now? You know I just don't see it. We're six months in, or no, we're almost a year in now. I guess we're almost a year in and gas is whatever it is where you are you know the, the 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 supply chain stuff is i i'm aware that we are not um you know it's not ukraine 1934 uh here or anything like that is where america is not bolivia but you definitely have noticed that you go to the i mean one th- good example for me is like ice coffee. I go through so much ice coffee. I can't be bothered to make it. I just buy the, you know, the 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 half gallon jug or whatever. Yeah. And um too much they, work to make it. I agree. You know, there's just days that they just don't have it. Um uh, there's days when they don't have, you know, bang at the gas station. You can tell I got a bit of an, uh, a caffeine problem, but uh, <laughs> you know, so there's that going on. And then there's then there's the the totally failed attempt to mandate the vaccine it's a failure it's absolute abject failure and it will continue to be so and then kind of the final thing that informs all of this is just the um sheer brazenness of the biden regime and their kind of toadies in the media and academia and things like this in terms of just lying You know, there's not any other word for it. It's not disinformation. It's not propaganda. They just lie in the most brazen, unashamed way that I have, I don't think, seen. Um, I mean, it doesn't even compare to anything that was going on during the Bush era. And that was one of my constant feelings during the bush era was how can he just lie like that all the time and now it's every day you go on twitter and what does it say in the sidebar this thing is happening but it's not really happening and here's the experts have shown us that you know there's not really milk shortages or gas shortages or whatever it is and it's you know um it's not the 80s you can't just lie to people like this anymore. There's, in the in the world kind of of digital culture, I would say the vast overwhelming majority of people who are using the internet and using social media for uh, their news and information purposes, I would break them into roughly two groups. And the first is older people, seniors, who kind of like... Um, have this. You know, they're ready for the kind of ready-made. Um, I don't know the ready-made answers to big tech and the Biden regime and like, you know, these kinds of uh, old, older people who go, "Well, I read an article about it on Facebook about you know the what Biden is doing with the bank accounts and the six hundred dollars," and they know something is amiss, and so they just kind of you know immediately jump on these um what are pejoratively called conspiracy theories but are most you know at least mostly true in their in their substance and then on the other hand you have younger people kind of digital natives who grew up being extremely distrustful of um official information sources exp- you know the death of expertise and all of these kinds of things and i think that the the toadies the social climbers who, you know, parrot the lies of the regime, are actually a much uh, smaller group than people think. They're certainly loud. They certainly have a lot of power. They're certainly very dangerous. Um, but I think that when push comes to shove, they're really a paper tiger. And the amount of propagandizing that they are forced to do on the behalf of this absolutely incompetent absolutely incompetent regime Um, i mean they're not competent at (laughs) they're not competent at oppressing you if they were i would be standing here right now calling them competent at oppressing you but they're not um you know i just think it's all the whole thing is is smoke and mirrors and it's increasingly evident every single day that the emperor has no clothes
0: Alright kitty guys, time to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors at iTrust Capital. You've heard me talking about these guys for quite some time now. They've been a tremendous sponsor and I really want to encourage you guys, if you are investing in cryptocurrencies or if you are looking to invest in cryptocurrencies, to check out iTrust Capital. These guys help you do this not only very easily, very cheaply with the lowest fees in the industry, uh, but you can actually do that through their traditional IRA setup to protect those gains for your future. And now there is literally Literally, literally, starting today, there is no better time to sign up for an account with iTrust Capital. Why? Let me tell you why. Starting today, they are removing their monthly fee. So you can sign up and you do not have to pay any monthly fee for doing so. Also, they are now giving $100 worth of Bitcoin to everyone that signs up through our link and funds their account. You can find that link at Lions. That's right. $100 of free Bitcoin for signing up and funding your account, and now there are no fees. So this is literally the best time to sign up for iTrust Capital. Go check it out at iTrust.capital slash lions. All right. One thing I'm gonna try to push back on a little bit here is um well you mentioned like one of your white pills is that you know this this vaccine mandate is completely failing. And I think it's it's failing maybe in the enforcement level. I mean it's not even gotten to the point of actually being a mandate at this point being challenged in court. Um, but my pushback on that, my I guess my black pill side of that white pill would be that these mandates are coming in very quickly and have already been p- being put into effect regardless of the vaccine mandate. Um, t- so what I'm seeing is so much of this sort of woke culture and again, a lot of this might be my own personal perspective being in Los Angeles um, working for companies or company that may or may not be considered quote unquote woke I um, being vague enough here. Um, but and seeing other people in the similar situations and and knowing many people, um, even people who just never intended to get any kind of vaccine who have done it now. And um, to in order because they were afraid they're going to loo- they're not afraid they were going to lose their job all because of even even before this threat of the mandate, there was this sweeping um, this this sort of I don't know if it's a, you want to call it like a smoky room agreement. I don't even think it's that much, but they, these, all these corporations have been lacking in, in, acting in lockstep, putting mandates in privately. So even if the mandate is failing on a sort of a national level, um, if it's getting, uh, hitting roadblocks in the court culturally, is that, I mean, and that's where I see the, I don't call myself black pill, but screw it. I'll embrace it for the purpose sure. of this conversation. That's where I see my black pill, I guess, on this because I see these things coming in, um, regardless of whatever mandates happen at the uh, at the federal level or even at state levels. It seems to just be happening anyway. And any laws or mandates that are coming in coming in are almost coming in sort of after the fact. And You know, it's it's like Biden's putting this mandate in, but mandates were already coming in, sweeping across the country, um, both at the public and private sector, long before you know any enforcement of this current mandate so that that's where i see don't see quite as much hope of the mandate failing because i'm seeing it happening regardless of any sort of legal legal situation
1: well i think that what what you're stating is definitely true um and i don't want to you know certainly being kind of optimistic about the political landscape over the next say five to ten years you know doesn't mean that i think that there's not any Uh, bumps in the road, or that there's not kind of this uneven development across the country, across the West, with regard to these issues. Um, but I think that you know, if and I know that this is because I watched the debate unfold in real time on Twitter, um, I know this is heresy to many of your listeners, but if they have heresy, bring it better ideas, I'm all ears um i think that banning vaccine mandates for private companies is an entirely uh entirely within the proper function of government um i think that i am unimpressed with arguments that say that uh, you know that first of all kind of equate uh my corner grocery store with you know walmart i think is a false equivalency. Um, I also, and this is also good. You know, we we then start getting into how much kind of daylight there is between uh, big companies like Walmart or Boeing or you know pick one, and, and the federal government because you know in the case of Walmart they've been caught how many times using um, social services to supplement their low wages, um, and you know defense contractors like basically are a wing of the federal government. So I think that stuff is all important to point out. I also think that um, the sort of finer points of, you know, is this appropriate and is this uh, ethical under some preconceived notion of what is the proper function of government? First of all, I think I'm, I'm comfortable Um, Defending it on those grounds. But I think it kind of misses the point. And to me, the point is, does this um, increase individual liberty or decrease individual liberty? And should people be – should it be legal to coerce people into getting um, vaccines? I don't think that they should – it should – And I think that if you want to make some equivalency like, you know, I basically think that nothing is like vaccine mandates except vaccine mandates. So, like... If it's some, if it's if you want to pull some analogy of like, well, do you think you can't they
0: compare should? it to baking a cake? I'll tell you. That. Yeah, it's I mean.
1: not. It's not baking a cake. It's not any of these like any any of these things. It's very it's not very even CRT. Different. I
0: mean, it, it's putting something, it's injecting, having something forcibly injected inside you. That very, I, I'm not going to say very likely, but that certainly for many has negative effects that are and, and is not necessary.
1: Yeah, I think that they're not being straightforward about the negative effects of it, but I think that grown-ups can decide whether or not. Not they want to get it and if i was a, an elderly person who hadn't already had covid i would certainly be um, examining it in a way that i'm not as a young healthy recovered person um, but as a young healthy recovered person i just don't even spend much time waiting into the like is the vaccine you know the mark of the beast or like could actually prevent you from getting COVID is like, I don't know. I had COVID. I'm not like, I don't, I don't care what it does or doesn't do. Uh, and, you know, you can kind of figure out for yourself if you, I certainly think that there's a push to, uh to get people to get it. And anytime, you know, these, these people, big pharma, and the government and the liberal media are pushing anything on you that hard. I think that you should be, Deeply skeptical of it, but I'm not a doctor or a medical professional by
0: any stretch. Right. We'll, we'll re-emphasize there is no medical advice given <laughs> in this program, <laughs> just personal experiences. Smoke and heavily. Thoughts from idiots, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So far we've taken away smoke. <laughs> vape, vape your ass off to to keep the COVID down. Um, uh, but Sam, this kind going to tie into uh, a little bit about what you wrote about in a recent article over at ammo.com, righteousness and force in America, the trap of righteous activism coupled with state power. And I think we can kind of use this a little bit to, um, to sort of filter out what we're seeing right now and because I think if we're going to be white bill here, if we're going to have some you know be, ha- see some positive signs of good things to come uh, from sort of a liberty perspective I think we have to really understand what we're up against and I think that I see a lot of people out there that they they're just treating this sort of current wave as, as sort of the next political issue um, and I, I just see it as something more than that and I think you touch on this idea a lot when you're in this article when you're really talking about this combination of righteousness uh, of this idea of doing something righteous and then you combine that with you know it's coming from the left, and they are the ones in the reins of power, and you know right. here we are. But maybe you can dive into a little more uh, about that concept because you do kind of tackle it from sort of a historical perspective.
1: Yeah, so I think that the the the, the black pill that accompanies my white pill is that like there is a mass um, totalitarian movement in the United States and throughout the West that has the backing of institutional power. In economics, in government, in media, in academia. And this is very, very true. And um, they have, you know, very uh, bad things planned for you and for the world kind of in perpetuity. And I do think that we're at a critical juncture in uh, the history of the West where we really are going to decide, you know, if we're going to be this um soulless technocratic heavily materialist marxist um you know racist um gender denying kind of bizarre um uh, seemingly diffuse ideology though i do think that there's something that unites all of it but um the You know, I think that that we really are like on the precipice between that and um, probably far greater liberty than we've had, you know, even in the United States for decades or 100 years or something like that. Um, So these people are part of a very long tradition in American political culture that I, in this article, trace back to the abolition movement and when we talk about the abolitionists i'm being very very specific and talking about a group of mostly religious fundamentalist radicals who believed that there was um something kind of uniquely evil about southern slavery And believed in any means, any physical or military means possible to uh, defeat and dismantle it. And I think that that's a highly specific thing that represented a uh, very niche position in American culture during that time and informed many of the excesses of the Reconstruction era and the manner of kind of punishing the South after the civil war, you know, not reconciling the South with, um, the North, but punishing the South for having waged the war. This was not the majority opinion of Northerners. Um, the, you know, general sentiment was that the war was this great tragedy and now it was time for people to come together. And, um, all the kind of brother against brother rhetoric and then you have people who say you know well we've got to really get not just slave owners mind you but like southerners um and that is i think something very very different from you know the kind of more machiavellian um perspective that like i if i'm being frank that i would hold which is that like you know, I would support the North during the Civil War simply because I am a, I'm a Unionist. I like having the country intact. I think that it's good to, you know, I'm, I'm a sea to shining sea, manifest destiny kind of guy, and that's it. I don't think that there was some noble uh, cause. I think that there was that noble things were done kind of accidentally, um, and and I think this is historically, you know, consistent. Um, and if you wanted to quibble with me over the value of the union and whether or not it was worth it, I'm happy to kind of take my licks on that. But um, the, you know, I'm not claiming that the, the, this was some grand crusade to like free slaves in the South because I think that anybody with any kind of historical literacy knows that that's um, ridiculous. But for the abolitionists, it, it was, and there's a lot of overlap between the abolitionists and the next kind of step on the on the line which is the temperance movement, which I outline as being very, very different because um, abolition wanted to do undo a, a an economic system. And I would argue that there's something vastly different from wanting to dismantle the institution of slavery and wanting to police the daily behaviors of Americans using the most widely used, oldest tested drug in human existence and this is one of the things I get to in the article is like you know if you banned cocaine which they, they did around the same time obviously but you know banning cocaine affects about .01% of the amount of people that are affected by an alcohol ban in part because cocaine in terms of the powder you know coca leaves obviously people use since forever but like it's also a new drug at the time. And so it's radically different to ban a niche newly invented narcotic than it is to ban the most widely used drug. I mean, the thing that, I mean, especially at this point in history, there's like, people may know this kind of historical tidbit that throughout most of the 19th century, people didn't really drink water because it wasn't um, safe to drink water. Uh, They mostly drank beer. And so, that um, is a vastly different, vastly greater reach against people's kind of daily behaviors. And I think the prohibition thing really presents a good example and a parallel for today because prohibition didn't fail because of uh, libertarian think tanks or position papers <laughs> or arguments. It just failed because people wanted to have a drink, and we're not going to comply with this and i don't drink
0: Institute didn't come out with a persuasive article about that one yeah i mean i don't
1: even drink but the idea that you're going to get people to like everyone to not drink or that you're going to stigmatize alcohol in the same way that like heroin is stigmatized through through legislation no less is like you know this is just not something that's going to happen and i think that that's true of a lot of the um stuff with the biden regime right now but then the third part of the article kind of maybe points towards the black aspect of things which is you know there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program and a lot of the um reach into people's personal lives comes around the time of the progressive era at the turn of the century and we still you know we i mean the you know the fda was created during this um during this era child labor laws which like um i think the kind of the point about child labor laws is that there's this caricature that um the average you know 8 year old in 1903 was mining coal or something and like no there were jobs for kids like news agents and boot blacks and yeah, like they were like handing out newspapers
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which by the way I, I mean i didn't do this but even when i was like 12 and 13 i had a number of friends who you gave out a newspaper they got up in the morning and they gave they went out and went around and gave out the newspapers in the neighborhood that was their job and i mean so it's not even we don't even need to look to the early 1900s for examples of kids i mean i was mowing lawns at the same age.
1: yeah i mean there's all like the the child labor thing i think is like you say child labor, and people get this very, you know, people the the, the black and white photograph of like some six year old kid covered in coal dust <laughs> like,
0: and like, yeah, charcoal face. Yeah, which just, uh, obviously, one, one tear dripping down his cheek. Yeah, which,
1: uh, well, obviously, the, you know, there were kids who did that, and that's, and, and that's, and that's frankly tragic. And I'm, I'm fine with saying that, like, I don't think that six year old should be working in coal mines. Um, but, the idea that like that was the that was the labor market of you know the early twentieth century is like not most kids were doing kid jobs, um, and and they continue to do so, um, but also universal public education, which for me and I'm guessing a lot of your listeners and a lot of people who read us at ammo.com is going to be a big bogeyman, and that's when that really um, expands. I mean, it really is just about this idea that you. Um, don't have, you know, you shouldn't kind of be making choices about your individual life. Um, you need the federal government to do, make them for you. And they're uh, obviously have your best interests at heart at all times
0: maybe we can look a little bit more about how this, how this is translating to today. Like, I mean, would you kind of compare maybe like the prohibitionists of the, like the 1920s to like, would those be the people like, would those be like the Karens of today? The people that want you to wear masks and want you to take your vaccine and then wear your other mask and social distance all along the way.
1: Um, I think that the, I think that the, the people today Well, I mean, we're talking about several groups of people. I mean, there's like, there's just kind of like stooges who want to get on social media and, um, you know, the types of people who will film you without having a mask of Walgreens or whatever. And I think those people are just kind of garden variety narcissists. I don't think that there's, I don't think they're animated by any kind of belief. Um, I similarly think that. A significant chunk of the protest movement is not ideological. Um, I think that a significant chunk of the protest movement are simply what you might in technical terms call shit stirers. Um, I think that a lot of them are just you know these kind of train hopper types um that you may or may not you know, know about, but like this train hopper culture still exists and I think a lot of them are, you know, I was actually, it's funny because I had this, this kind of idea as a vague, unsubstantiated notion for a while. And then I was watching some YouTube documentary about the homeless. And one of them was talking about how they were train hopping and going to different protests. And I said, oh, Um, but, you know. I think that, that, I think so. Yeah, I don't think that you should discount the degree to which garden variety, narcissism, and antisocial personality disorders inform this. And I think that, particularly with the antisocial personality disorder type, um, I think that we, in fact, do have a lot more of those people than we had 30, 40, 50 years ago. No doubt. Um, or at least, at least those people have a voice now,
0: like any, any of them can have Twitter. Maybe they were there before, but they stayed inside and didn't, you know,
1: didn't, didn't really bother anybody. Uh, I do. I do actually think there's more of them. I do like, I I do actually think that there's, there's just sheer numbers of, of them. There's more of them. I think that there's various social factors that incentivize and contribute to the creation of a, of a criminal element. That becomes, you know, politicized. And I would, if you wanted to kind of read more about this, I would urge people to. You're not, you were not expecting me to to recommend this. Uh, The 18th Brumaire of Louis Napoleon Bonaparte by Karl Marx. No, I was. Discusses (laughs) the role of the lumpen proletariat. It translates as rag proletariat. And he identifies them. They didn't have the term fascism back then. But the thing that that Marx is describing basically is kind of a proto-fascism. And he identifies this congenital criminal class as the kind of economic basis of it because it gives you lots of goons. You know, you have lots of – and to me, this is the most troubling thing about the political situation in general, the left – kind of where we're at is to me, the distinguishing political characteristic of uh, fascism or however you would choose to term it um, is goons. You know, that's the thing that separates it from just some other kind of authoritarian government or some other dictatorship. Um, This sort of highly invasive manner of organizing the state, I think begins with goons and i and I think that that's the like indispensable element of it. And I think that they have they have goons and spades. I mean, they have just like, um but Marx talks about this in the eighteenth Brumaire. And I would say that the kind of updated version of this are you know these these kind of train hoppers, shiftless layabout types, um, people whose primary means of existence is like panhandling on patreon for um their leftist podcast or whatever. Um what yeah, are, we only like that from libertarian podcast. <laughs> <be>. <laughs> uh, well I mean are doing that tend to have like <laughs> some kind of real job and some kind of connection to you, you know the means of uh production otherwise myself not included but uh, you know there there's like this kind of element that that gravitates towards the the, the street level far left and I think that you can see in them a lot of I mean the, the caricature is that they're like oh they're these privileged spoiled college kids and I think that there's definitely some of that there but I think that prime no I think it's mostly thugs I think it's mostly like people who've been kind of washed out of the labor market and um, subsist in these kind of niche fringe areas of the economy, drug dealing or working in, you know, uh, what they euphemistically call sex work or any of these kinds of things. Um, And they, you know, and that's kind of where I think, that's where I think their muscle comes from. I don't think it's bored college kids on the weekend. I think those kids talk, talk, talk about it. Um, and, And certainly some of them do go break a Starbucks window. Um, but no, I think it. I think it mostly is just kind of like, you know, washouts goons and there's, and that's, and that's very dangerous because those people like, you know, the college kid, uh, LARPing on the weekend, he goes back to college on Monday because he wants to get a good, uh, job at an NGO or whatever it is that he's angling for. But the, but the goon, he doesn't have anything, you know, what's his, what's his skin in the game? What's the thing that tethers him? to society and if they don't have anything like that you know if you if you have a critical mass of people who don't have any kind of um any kind of skin in the game and they they can become very very easy to weaponize um but that's one of the more frightening
0: things i've seen like in a lot of the recent trends that show like I saw something a few months ago that like, you know, X number of people, like a high percentage, I don't remember exactly what it was of like men under uh, like 28 or, or 28 year old or 30 year old men hadn't had sex in and I don't it was I don't, I'm just make, I'm kind of making it up because this is a few months ago. So I don't know the numbers, but it was something like it was a long time. It was like years. It was like four or five years that a, a large number of men hadn't even had sexual relations, let alone a girlfriend, let alone a wife, uh, let alone a family or something that that tethers them to, uh, you know, to to the safety in this world to to like you know to doing things that are um, of a uh, a virtuous nature whereas I think if you don't have that and you don't even have a hope of that I would say you know I think yeah. there's a, a large segment of society that it's not that it's not that they don't have a girlfriend right now shit I've had fra- I've had I've had my my down times as well but there was the hope you right. know, but I think for a lot of people they don't even see the hope because maybe they don't have a job and they have a heavy uh, student loan debt and they don't even see the hope of getting a great job and they've lived with their parents for the last four years and so there's not even the prospect of hope so I think that kind of pers- Person is just so susceptible to these sort of movements where, hey, if I can go out and be a goon, at least I got something.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I wrote a bit about this, and it's funny because this is, this, this is a topic that's been kind of internally discussed at uh, ammo.com for a while is that, you know, the incel thing is actually really fascinating to me um, because of the angle that you're talking about. And that is, you know, I saw a tweet once that I have saved on my phone somewhere, and I'm not going to do it complete justice, but it was something to the effect of um, boo hoo, things are so bad for um, white men right now because they can't get a girlfriend. And then, you know, the response in this rhetorical way, this kind of Socratic dialogue that this person had written was, No, you don't understand. There are multiple generations of fighting men who feel that they have no reason to live. You are in danger. And I think that the danger that you face to your uh, liberty, I'm not, you know, I don't fear the uh, Biden regime nearly as much as I do social instability that comes from that um there is a uh thing i heard that you know again if it's if it's incorrect uh, you can find me on twitter at samjacob1776 and tell me i'm wrong but i have heard told that men's testosterone levels drops by a third when they get married and ha- and half when they have a kid and the reason for that would seem to me to be that you just don't need as much anymore you don't need to be quite so full of piss and vinegar. In fact, it's probably not good for you to be because if you go out to a bar, drink 12 you know, Coors Lights and get into a fist fight with the bouncer and you have to spend the weekend in lockup and you miss work on Monday and your kid's out health insurance... That's and a your big. It's not going to be happy. That's a, when you finally get home. Right. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, you don't you don't have the same kind of capacity for wild, erratic behavior. And I think that most people, um, you know, who reach those stages in life, I think, I think, kind of get that. But the problem is that fewer and fewer people are doing that. And I think that you know we can like I don't think that we really have to sit here and throw our hands up and go, well, why is this the case? I think it's fairly obvious um that you know the state incentivizes fatherlessness and that the uh debt-based arrangement of the economy um incentivizes or rather makes impossible the the single parent home and these two things in tandem basically have given you you know a society where where um young men don't have a legitimately don't have a lot of reason to feel that they have any, um, they don't have any reason to kind of have skin in the game or have a stake in society. And the, th- this cuts both ways, because on the one hand, these could be like, you know, the stormtroopers coming to pin you to the, you know, handcuff you to the gurney while you get your uh, shot. They also could be, you know, Fifty thousand strong in Melbourne, protesting mask mandates. Because what do I care if I get arrested here? Like I, you know, I don't have to go to work on Monday. I haven't had a job for ten months because they shut my business down, and I can't get can't get hired anywhere. So there's a double edged sword to that. Um, I think that the stuff that we've seen with people who demonstrably do have skin in the game, the the parent revolt, that the at the student or the school board committees is another aspect of things. And I think it really just kind of shows how, I mean, it's another, to me, it's another huge white pill because who has more skin in the game than parents at a school board meeting? It's like, it's local government. It's very close to home. Their kid's going to go to school there every day. They're potentially setting, setting their kid up to um, reprisals from the administration. I mean, I my experience with public schools was that the teachers and administrators tended to be extremely petty uh, and controlling people as a as a rule. Um, so, you know, it takes a lot of bravery to stand up in that situation. But that's the thing: is like they have so much skin in the game that it's almost harder for them to stand up because they have something to lose. Um, what we haven't really seen yet is what way the kind of broad mass of 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 young people which i don't think is the majority but i think it's like let's call it 20 um 10 percent is enough you know of, of people who kind of have kind of have not a lot to lose because they haven't been given any reason to have a stake in society and what they're going to do i think is definitely something that is going to unfold in the next um Five to ten, five to ten years. But I'm, I'm also, you know, basically a like the kids are all right kind of guy. Like, young people generally impress me with how, um, on the ball and, you know, informed they are. And with it, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really understand the anime thing. But like, other than that. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe that's maybe that can be my white pill, (laughs) you know, do you see not the anime thing necessarily? Maybe. uh, But uh, what have you seen that makes you think that sort of this the younger people coming up might might send us in a better direction and that. You know, because like, well, I guess what's your white pill? to people that right now feel very helpless. Maybe they're either under a vaccine mandate or they're about to lose their job from a vaccine mandate or they they maybe they even took the vaccine to keep their job. But now they know, like in six months, they're just going to make me do this again and again and again. What's your white pill for people in that situation?
1: Well, I to to, to like quickly tie a button on the last thing about, you know, younger people is like because I think this this speaks in part to what you've asked. But um, there's this like. You know, everybody likes to kind of pile on Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA on Twitter. Um, And I think that, like, first of all, it's kind of foolish because Charlie Kirk, anytime that there's like a rubber meets the road issue, he's always on the right side of things. Um, But I think I also think that, you know, Turning Point USA, as far as I can tell, their whole thing is like, you know, sec football fans who want to be able to tailgate before a game um and i think that there's like the barstool sports crowd kind of yes exactly and i think that like a big white pill for me is like kind of how many of those dudes are out there i mean i grew up in new england and certainly new england not a bastion of human liberty but like the barstool sports guy if you walk into a bar in you know suburban Boston or Providence or Worcester, and you throw a rock, you got about a fifty percent chance of hitting one of these barstool sports guys who says, you know, Obama in this like tone of voice that lets you know exactly what he thinks of Barack Obama. Um, and I think that that's like that crowd. Like that is that a silent majority? No, but it's like a silent third of the country who are just like. Don't want don't want to be bothered, you know. There's a, don't underestimate the uh, American desire to not be bothered. I mean, what people will put up with in an airport with a DSA versus what they're going to put up with on a day to day basis, it's just not the same um, category. I think that in terms of like if you're if you are still living in a blue area, I would very strongly urge you to get out. I just don't think that there's going to be anything good coming down the pike there. I think that all of the stuff that people worry about, uh, I think probably will more or less happen in blue states. So your red flag orders, your gun confiscations, um, your wealth tax, that's going to you know, affect your 401k, those kinds of things. I do not doubt for a second that those will happen in blue states. However, I think that red states are becoming increasingly confrontational on these issues, and I think that we can attribute it directly to the feet of one Governor Ron DeSantis, um, who I just simply think that this country would look like Australia or Canada without, Um, and I think that he I think that it's very, very difficult to be the first mover on these things. And I think that he deserves an enormous amount of credit for being the first person to meaningfully stand up and say, no, we are not going to do this. But Sam, he tweeted something nice about Israel once. Yeah, is exactly. The, like, is the that's kind of the little thing. Is I like, I every time somebody has something on um everybody who attacks DeSantis is a bad faith actor in my in my experience. I mean, there's always there's like, you know, oh the the ban on vaccine passports allowed for this and that and it's like yeah, it's buried on page like 179 and they can raise the
0: speeding ticket fine by $3. So, you know, fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, there's all
1: kinds of like silly stuff that I think that you can that you could get him on and like um, but the question the the to me like the 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 covid lockdowns and the january sixth trials are like the biggest issues in the United States right now, and I don't really require that anyone be my my requirement for elected officials is like that you be good on at least one of those. Um, I don't I don't expect a lot from elected officials in general, but those two things you know you you get one hopefully both and 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 I don't expect a, a ton. And I think that this kind of also goes back to the white pilling thing is like you know what are you kind of doing to increase individual liberty in your life and i don't want to be glib about it and suggest that everybody can just you know pack it all in and run away to the middle of nowhere and be a podcaster or anything like that but the idea that your only option is to move yourself you know to antarctica and uh stockpile tens of thousands of rounds of ammunition um, you need to be thinking more flexibly and creatively about how you can insulate yourself from these things. I think that people should not under underestimate the importance of being involved in their communities. Um, first of all, your local city council meeting or your local county board of supervisors meeting, when they have open comment, you can't buy that kind of entertainment. Um, the, the people who show up at these are it's, 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 it's it's a blast. But the other thing too is like, you know, there's a lot that you can kind of accomplish on that micro level, both through, you know, speaking out of these uh, government meetings, but also just, you know, becoming, I mean, the, the the go-to example I always use is like joining the volunteer firefighter department. It's just the first thing that pops in my head all the time. If you can prove yourself to be somebody who's of service and of value to your community, um that's worth its weight in gold and when there if and when there is some kind of you know crackdown or um repression you're going to be very very well positioned to resist simply by knowing knowing people in your community and being having a reputation as you know a serious person who can get things done who can be relied upon who can you know who will show up for the barn raising that kind of stuff and i think that like you know there's obviously bigger issues at play here but like that's i think where people think that they can't do anything and they can really you can very very quickly see an impact because for a lot of this local stuff it's just it's just about who shows up
0: it's not that dissimilar from uh you know the reason that Ron Paul got reelected to Congress for thirty years is not because of his fiery libertarian rhetoric or his anti-federal reserve stance. It's because he he delivered everyone's babies, so they all respected him. And if, yeah, sure, of course I'm going to send the guy. Yeah, good old Dr. Dr. Ron. Like I mean, so you you not that you need to be Ron Paul or use that to run for office necessarily, but just having a position like that in your community or having people in your community that respect you is going to either help you influence them more, or if nothing else, just insulate you more because you're going to have a lot of support for whatever happens
1: and you'll also be very pleasantly surprised i think how on the same page the average person is with you i mean you know i think that particularly now the average i mean the average person i think if if you live in a red state and you don't live in a big city i think is going to be you know honestly like a good example of where the average person is at in 2021 i think is like I don't really like sending my kids to public schools, but I don't really know what other options I have kind of um, person. And you can find a lot of, you know, again, it's this like, it's this like read Phil Bishop because he's just so sharp on all of this stuff. But like, there's just so many um, local and meat and potatoes issues that you can find common cause with on people that move the ball forward in terms of, stripping power from the state stripping power from the state's allies and it's kind of auxiliary functionaries in you know big tech or the media or however you want to put it and i think that like you know you may kind of run into opposition if you go very very high level on some of this stuff or if you decide that the hill that you're going to die on is like um Drunk driving laws, which, like, I you know, I think that there's compelling argument against drunk driving laws, but like, I'm also aware that that sounds nutty to most people, and so that's not the hill that I'm going to die on. But I will die on the hill of, um, for example, school choice, because that is an excellent way to strip power from the state, make you know connections with people who are sort of uh, less less philosophically committed to freedom than i am um and i think that you know also you need to look at local and state political issues from the perspective of what is going to keep the communist hordes out of your state um the texas heartbeat bill um, I am, I, and you know, full disclosure here. Like I'm Catholic, I'm super pro-life. I'm glad that they passed the law because, of, because of pro-life reasons. But if you're not, or if you're just not terribly pro-life, and it's not a huge issue for you, you should still be supporting these kinds of laws because it's like, you know, skunk spray to liberals. There's like nothing that offends them more than these kinds of laws or school choice laws or another very good want to do because they have these kinds of sacred cows and if you attack them defund them uh marginalize them in your community in your state um you can be very very effective at keeping out you know the wrong kinds of californians um i think that people i think California gets beat up on too much because I think a lot of people leaving California are like you and you probably know a lot of people, particularly in like Riverside County, Orange County, the Central Valley, the rural areas of California. Sure. It's very different than Los Angeles or. Yeah. They're not moving to Texas because they want to elect Kamala. They're moving to, you know, they're moving to Texas because they have been hanging on in California for 25 years. And have finally said enough and they want to come to somewhere where there's more um liberty, so um I think that you know and 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 when you find those people, you should you know welcome them into the fold because I think no one's gonna it's like you know when you see these uh these like um Venezuelan naturalized citizens speaking at trump rallies or whatever, and they're like, "I am so." passionate about this because i just fled socialism and i we cannot have it here and it's like this very very visceral thing um so i think that connecting with those people in your communities is essential but also just like you have more in common with your neighbors than you probably think unless they're these you know very didactic kind of dyed in the wool leftists i think for the most part and this is another big white pill for me is like on the big issues the big substantive issues of the day do you think the average person believes in vaccine mandates they might even think that you should get the vaccine but that doesn't mean that they think that you should go to jail for not getting it
0: i actually think this is more a product of where i come from like like where not where i've come from but where i've lived where i had lived for almost 20 years in los angeles where i can actually say a lot of people i know yes Actually, yes, but but that is that's a very skewed sample size.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, disregard if you live in Los Angeles, New York, Portland, Denver, Austin, you know, somewhere like that. Clearly, but like, I mean, that's the thing too. Is is even cities? You know, a city is not a city. A city is not a city. Um, And I can tell you this through you know traveling. Is like I always tell people like I love Colorado Springs, and they and they think Colorado Springs is Denver, and it's like, bro, the Air Force Academy is there you know there's like there's a veteran or an olympic uh or or you know an olympic team member under every rock and they're not uh gun grabbing vax mandating uh liberals you know the first gym i ever went to there is like a giant cut out cardboard cut out of donald trump the second that you walk in um so you know cities like um I mean even San Diego, you know, you know like San Diego is is it's not, you know, San Diego is not um I don't even know what like It's not LA, that's for sure. It's not LA. It, it, you know, it's not it's it's not I I don't know what a conservative it's not Oklahoma city, either, but it's,
0: it's, right. it's not LA, yeah.
1: yeah. it's not it's not Oklahoma, but it's definitely not a, not LA and you get as you know, you get like 10 minutes outside of the city core and it's nothing but maga flags and you know, gadsden <laughs> flags and stuff like that. Um you know, Topeka and Fort Wayne and those types of cities are not Los Angeles or what have you. Um, but, you know, your chances of like maintaining uh, a free daily existence are significantly increased by moving somewhere where the community is even capable of having, you know, the grammar even exists to have a conversation about what is good for freedom. How do we balance freedom? Um, I generally find, you know, how do we balance freedom language to be kind of weaselly, but like the the living somewhere where people have a like healthy, healthy sense that freedom is a, is a value um, is definitely going to go a long way towards insulating you from this. And I think that it will be increasingly necessary for people to relocate themselves, find ways to become anti-fragile, make connections in their community. Because yeah, I'm very white-pilled about our prospects, but the fight to get there? Um, No, I think, you know, yeah, I think they're coming for retirement accounts. I think they're coming for private transportation. I think they're coming for your kids. Um, I think that there will probably be a very serious movement to license children in the
0: next 10 years yeah and are they're gonna have to get that shot to be to, to have that license and if not well
1: yeah I, I, don't, I mean that's the thing is like I'm not naive about any of this but the but the question is like what do you what do you think that they're these uh omnipotent all powerful um you know presence in the world they're the exact opposite they are so grossly incompetent. there is no plan beyond shoving this doddering old man into the white house i mean they have no their big success is this is this half-assed version of the infrastructure bill which i get is bad and has all kinds of bad stuff in it but it's like a third of what they wanted to get done and that's his big that's the big notch in his belt that's the big scalp that biden has he got a third of his infrastructure bill passed And meanwhile, you know, there's people chanting "Let's go, Brandon!" at every uh, SEC football game across the country, which would just be some kind of childish diversion if there weren't also mass resistance to things like the vaccine mandate, mass outrage at the supply chain shortages, mass outrage at the gas prices, and again, this increasing awareness. That we are not ever, ever being told the truth by these people. That I think is the big white pill from COVID, is that there's tons of people who just do not accept that the state and the media are 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 good faith actors. And they may not have like connected all the dots all the way to the end to you know, Oh, private insurance companies replacing the state or anything like that. But they certainly have moved all the way to, Hey, did you hear this thing that was on the news? How stupid is it that they expect me to believe that, you know, gas shortages aren't happening or whatever that kind of thing is. Um, and yeah, it's a fight. It's a fight and a fight has back and forth in it. But, um, I, I don't see any of their victories and I and I don't see any victories forthcoming, not any big ones anyway.
0: All right, gang, got to take one quick break to tell you about our amazing, wonderful friends and supporters over at Lorenzati Italy. Lorenzati Italy is the number one place for you to stop and order some fine premium Italian coffees delivered right to your door in these neat little tins. And if that wasn't enough, you get to do so knowing you are helping a sponsor of this program. And if that weren't enough, you get to order using your Lions of Liberty discount code. That discount code is ROAR, and it gets you 10% off your order. So head on over to lorenzati.coffee and use discount code ROAR for 10% off some frying premium Italian coffees. Mm -mm -mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Yeah, I think the biggest white pill maybe for me coming out of this conversation is something you kind of touched on there that you know you you can like maybe for a lot of people things people that just decide not to take any action and just decide to have that kind of like that that meme of the dog in the kitchen where the kitchen's on fire and the dog's just saying this is fine right now maybe people that just have that attitude and don't take any action now well, maybe things do get worse for them especially if they are living in some blue city where they're going to continuously be put under more mandates and more more regulations and what have you but the fact is anybody that chooses to take action has a lot of courses of action that are possible, whether it's physically moving, um, you know, getting a new job, like like, you know, starting to get mobile income. Um, like there are there are so many ways you can do that now in 2021 that 70, 80 years ago would have been a lot more difficult. Whereas now I mean, there are just there are so many ways to make money online that almost anybody could really do it with a little bit of effort and and at least get a start on something. Almost anybody can, you know, connect with people. Now we have, you know, thanks to one of the, some of the good aspects of the internet. It's very easy to connect with people in other places and sort of build a network before you even have a physical community that you're around. Um, so there's a lot of options for people that see what's ahead and can sort of create their own, uh, white pilled path. I would say so that that's one area. I would definitely agree with you that regardless of, of what happens around us here, um, we can build our own communities we can create our own networks here and we can, we can b- build our own white pilled paths. I guess that's how I would put
1: it. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's easier than ever to be start making Taking these steps and like you know i'm just not really um interested in i don't consider people who are not taking these steps to be uh my allies i just think that they're they're whiners and whiners are gonna whine and um i'm much more interested in in doing um and so that's i think what people need to like keep their eye on is you know what are you gonna do you gotta do something
0: There's one silver lining about COVID and it's it's certainly the case for me that it, it shook me out of my stupor and sort of forced me into situations where I took more actions than I had previously been taking to make myself more independent, to insulate myself from things like this, more before I even knew there was a thing like this, um, because it was always like back burner stuff. It was like, yeah, right. get to that eventually. Well, now it's like, okay, there's no eventually. We're here. This is it. This is the game. You know, time to get in the game or or you know, or sit on the bench. But uh, I don't want to sit on the bench and just let the world happen to me. I want to make things happen. So I think that is, you know, that that is the b- best positive coming out of this. And I think whenever there's darkness, whenever there's a, a bad situation, um, it can inspire people to do right, and it can it can create more light in the world. So I think that is that is one thing I'm definitely seeing uh at least on the individual level even if you know maybe at the the mass level of things uh you know things can look pretty bleak
1: yeah no i i i i think that when things like look bleak that you should you know be doing your darndest to think constructively about what you're going to do that's positive and uh and also you know it's it's, it's good to keep up the morale so Indeed. Well,
0: Sam, thank you for uh, helping me up my morale a little bit, trying to white pill me here today. Uh, Before I let you go, of course, uh, everybody can find your work over at Ammo.com. But if there's anything else you want to mention or plug, feel free to plug away.
1: Yeah. So uh, I run a news aggregator and you can find that at news.libertasbella.com. I am serving up white pills on the daily. Uh, Another white pill for you is $20 off any order of $200 or more. If you go to Ammo.com forward slash sam that's ammo.com forward slash sam we have most of those calibers that you're you're looking for uh and finally you can find me on twitter at sam jacobs 1776 uh and you know you can also just find me on there and tell me what an idiot i am i'm definitely <laughs> definitely open to that all right
0: sam jacobs thanks so much for joining me man keep up the great work keep on roaring thanks man <laughs> All right, kitty cats. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sam Jacobs. And I'll admit, I do feel a little more upbeat after that conversation. So I don't know if I'm fully white-pilled per se. Uh, but hey, I always denied being black-pilled in the first place. And you can find out uh, more about my thoughts about whether or not I'm blackpilled. I wrote a recent article about that called Am I Too Blackpilled on my Substack called Metanoia. You can find it at markclare.substack.com uh, There won't be video for this week's episode. So for any of those that try to find this on YouTube, it won't be there. So you won't know that unless you're listening to this, I guess. But <laughs> but what is on YouTube is a special episode I did recently uh, with Buck Johnson and Johnny Profita of Peddling Fiction. Uh, we did a little show, sort of a preview of our upcoming event in Sayulita, Mexico. It is coming very, very soon, December 10th to 12th. Guys, you do not want to miss this. If you have been on the fence, I'm going to tell you right now. Now's the time to do it because I got another discount code for you. The discount code is red bill uh, for 10% off your tickets. You can find more info at Sayulita. And I remember now I got to spell that Sayulita S-A-Y-U-L-I-T-A Sayulita super spreader event smart And then you'll see all the info about that. Um, if you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to me uh, if you need help, you know, trying to get a room or something. I think there might be spaces in the hotel, but there are also a bunch cheap airbnbs in the area and let me tell you you're going to have a great time because you're going to hang out with other libertarians uh your some of your favorite podcasters like myself like buck johnson of counterflow like johnny profita of peddling fiction uh like clint russell of liberty lockdown and like robbie the fire who's not only going to be headlighting uh with a, a comedy show and a stand a live podcast but he is going to get warmed up. He's going to get fluffed by yours truly. At least the audience is going to get fluffed. I'm not sure how that works. But I'm going to do a very brief stand-up comedy set setting up for Robbie the Fire. So you really don't want to miss this event. And it's really not that hard to get to. And no, you don't need to take a test to get to Mexico. No, you don't, don't, do not need to have a vaccine to get to Mexico. In fact, you can actually you can actually go in and out of the country without even having a test. Uh, there's a way to do that. We do talk about that in the episode that you can find on YouTube. So look for that on YouTube, the Sayulita Super Spreader Preview Show. And check it out, check it out at SayulitaSuperspreader.eventsmart.com. Use discount code Red Bill, not Red Pill. Red Bill, one word for ten percent off those tickets. Don't forget to stick around for the rest of this week. Where my compatriots in Liberty bring you more ranting and raving, starting with that of Brian McWilliams every Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odermat wraps things up on Thursdays with Finding Freedom. And of course, don't forget you can support this. Grifty podcast here by supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash lions of liberty or now over on locals at lionsofliberty.locals.com. We don't simply beg for money. We beg for money and we give you something in return. So we do a lot of bonus shows. We just did a conspiracy corner where we looked at the strange, strange, strange events at uh, the the tragic Travis Scott Astro World concert. And uh, you know, as these things go, whenever we do conspiracy corner, it always ends with about a 30 minute um, you know, religious lesson from Howie which is always a blast. So uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. You also get Degenerate Gamblers where Brian, Odie, and Rico, uh, you know, look at their sports picks, talk about gambling and tell a bunch of ridiculous stories along the way. We do a bunch of live streams for our patrons only. Uh, you just get a ton of bang for that buck. So patreon.com slash lionsliberty or lionsliberty.locals.com. That's all I've got this week. Until next time, my friends.
1: Live love!
0: and live free.